you are listening to The Dudes, bringing you wall-to-wall coverage of all Mississippi State athletics. Featuring Reflector Sports Editor Tanner Marlar and WMSV Sports Director Cody Blazak. Welcome back, friends, to our Thursday edition. We are here to bring you live coverage and our thoughts on what's coming up this weekend as it is our first week of college football. Mississippi State will be hosting Louisiana Tech. But first off, we're going to jump into the Mississippi State baseball assistant coach, John Foxhall, winning the assistant head, uh, excuse me, assistant coach of the year. And in my opinion, it's greatly deserved by him. He, his pitching staff, first off, he's the assistant coach, he's the pitching coach, and he had one of the most impressive pitching depth charts in college baseball, in my opinion at least. There obviously were some other teams that had some really good pitchers, but in the end, our pitching won us that natty. What more can you want from a guy, you know? Uh, Scott Foxhall's been great. Uh, he was great all year. Uh, he really seems like a, a real player's coach. The guys seem to love him. Uh, he's got a lot of respect in the locker room and a lot of respect across the country. Um, and I, I, I can't think of any assistant coach in the country uh, more well-deserved than uh, Coach Fox. As great as a coach as he is, he also had some very incredible players that I think would have done absolutely amazing under any pitching coach. Oh, for sure. The three in particular were obviously – the three that I would say got us to the World Series, I understand one of them did not play well in game one. And Christian McLeod, listen, I know he struggled in that first inning of game one against Vanderbilt, but that is one game. Y'all got to look past that and see what he did the entire season, and he put up incredible numbers. He had 100 strikeouts this season, along say, with Bednar and Sims. 100 strikeouts is no joke. You don't get 100 strikeouts just by pure luck. The guy worked his butt off to get there. Um, he just got cold at the wrong time. That's that's baseball. That is baseball, but we might say, oh, do you remember his um, game one in the World Series where – he let up so many runs. For those of y'all that keep up with sports, you know where he's at now. For those of y'all that are not really sure, he's making a millions of dollars in the MLB right now. So I think that just goes to show that he just had a bad game. And I think we all know he just had a bad game. And I, I know as a fan, we get caught up in it and we were all worrying because I knew I was worried. Oh, yeah. But, it, heck, it was game one and then we came back and whooped. Vanderbilt in games two and three so uh, getting off the McLeod little rant here real quick going back to Foxall McLeod was one of his pitchers that was incredible then we had Bednar who obviously you you can't say enough about the guy I mean it's been beat to death at this point uh came in the other night uh the reflect will have an article on an update about him later on uh be watching for that but came in the other uh, the other night in some minor league action, one two three in his first inning, uh, still still true to form. And then you move on to Sims, the absolute three inning kraken that you can release at any time. Um, him, of course, anchoring the backside of that uh, that pitching rotation. 
um, I think we all know really played a big, uh, big hand in uh, Coach Fox getting that award. But like, like we said, Fox is a very deserving coach, a very good coach, um, and we're glad to have him here in Starkville. I think one of the most impressive things with that pitching crew is, yeah, Bednar and McLeod both had 100 strikeouts in their starters. Sims isn't a starter. Mm. Sims played, what, maybe four or five innings at the most, maybe once or twice in the season. Thank you. The longest he went was uh, four and a half. And he had over 100 strikeouts, which is ridiculous. And if you keep up with the pitching for Mississippi State, that is absolutely incredible. And I know everybody here at Mississippi State, all the fans, the students, just absolutely love him. He is just an absolute beast out in the diamond. And he's he's a great person, too, which is absolutely amazing for the community to see. I will say that's one thing that, uh, uh, like I said, uh, when when I shared the link uh, to our, our pilot episode the other day, when when you listen here with us with the dudes, you're really getting the sports from a student's perspective. Um, and the interesting thing about that is we see these athletes outside of press conferences. We see these athletes um, outside of the diamond. We see them outside of the field on the court. Um, we're with these athletes a lot more than most. And I can, I, can t- I can truly say that Landon Sims carries himself with a lot of dignity, respect, um, and is just, uh, just as competitive as a person in the classroom, it seems, as he is on the diamond, which says a lot about the kid. With those three being said, Fox Hall was their coach, and as much credit as we give to the players, you have to give credit to the coach. And he did his part. I mean, he... Who who knows what these pitchers would have looked like if they went to another school and they didn't have Foxhall as their pitching coach. But props to him. And his hard work paid off with a huge accolade, one of the top accolades as a coach at the college baseball level. So from Tanner and myself, congratulations. And, heck, we hope to see you bring another one home next year. Amen to that. Moving on, we have starting tomorrow – is the golf tournament. Uh, it's the men's golf uh, team. They're going to be playing in the Caramel Cup this weekend. Uh, Tuesday, we'll bring you score updates uh, from that tournament. Uh, looking uh, looking back on last year, some great individual play out of a couple of guys. Um, that team's looking to keep rolling and stay hot, and um, going to be a good weekend for some golf. Uh, it's going to be a hot weekend, but nonetheless, it is also going to be a week full of college football, if you have a chance. Tune in to our boys play some golf as well. So wish them luck. And I guess we'll be moving on to what we're excited for, at least. What everybody's excited what for. What everybody seems ex- like. This Saturday in like, does it, less than 48 hours, I think. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State will host Louisiana Tech. This is going to be... I know we had a football season last year. We didn't have a football season last year. We didn't have a real football season last year. This will be, in our opinion at least, the first college football game in Starkville, Mississippi in over two years. With fans, there's going to be tailgating. I mean, they're already shutting roads down. They're already shutting roads down. The southern tailgating tents are up. Uh, I saw lines getting painted last night and finishing up this morning uh, in the junction and surrounding areas and 
I feel things, man. I just feel things. I'm excited to be back, and uh, it's going to be a great season here for Mississippi State, uh, hopefully. If you walk by Davis Wade as well, you can see they're testing all the graphics on the Jumbotron and everything to get the crowd hype. Grass looks real nice. I mean, as always, I the city of Starkville is ready for football to come back, and I think just you can feel it when you're walking around campus. There's a buzz in the air. The past two or three days, the the past two or three days, I haven't been able to walk around campus without hearing someone say something about, "Are you going to the game this weekend? What are you doing for tailgating? This, that, or the other." As students, we're ready. As alumni, I know they're ready, and just start uh, Mississippi State fans, they're ready. I mean, I'm excited, but we'll dive into that game real quick. That game is going to be played at three o'clock at Davis Wade Stadium on ESPNU. Um, jumping into it, we already talked about we we briefly mentioned this uh, Tuesday in our pilot episode quarterback position and everything. Will Rogers is going to be our number one. Um, obviously that doesn't mean he will always be the number one. No, uh, and I'll, I'll touch on this later, but really expect to see uh, some different faces in the backfield this weekend taking snaps. Um, it's If the score goes like the quote-unquote experts have predicted, um, we should get to see some younger guys get some action, um, which I know me personally is just the football nut and recruiting nut um, is super excited about. I think the one – I know we've got what seems like a pretty deep uh, QB depth chart, which it does seem that way. Now, on paper, yes. It's on, a very deep quarterback room. Will Rogers had experience last season. He got thrown in in the middle of the season, and I, he played well. His record doesn't look great, but he did play very well, and I, I think it's comforting. it's comforting to me at least that he has this past half season under his belt where he built the chemistry with his players. He's, st- he's starting to understand more and more Mike Leach's offense. And he fi- you mentioned this last episode that he's under er- – where was I going with that? He's looking more comfortable. He's what he's there. Doing. We go. He's, he's looking, looking a lot more comfortable. more comfortable in the backfield, taking snaps. He's looking a lot more comfortable with his teammates. Last year, a couple times, you could really see that. You know, this is a freshman back there. Um, I mean, Will, bless his heart, he was. He's not a big dude. He's not a massive quarterback. Um, you could tell that this guy was thrown in there, um, and I think he played very well uh, for what the hand he was dealt. A uh, freshman coming in with no SEC experience, no college experience, coming in and running an offense like that, I had to tip my hat to the guy all year. Uh, but this year coming in, uh, the expectations are a little higher. The expectations are of a guy that's in his second year in this offense, a guy that's had a full off season with his teammates. Um, he's returning a better wide receiver core than he had last year. Um, he's got He's got a much better offensive line in front of him. Um, you've got Jaquavius Marks, who's coming back again. Uh, the expectations are definitely higher, and I'm very interested to see uh, how Will Rogers handles that. I think he's going to do well, uh, but only time can really tell. With him being able to get a true preseason camp this year, how do you think that will play a part into his success this season? I think that was the biggest thing coming into it. I think um, I really think last year you win a couple more games 
if you get to have that uh, off-season camp, just because you can throw more of the playbook at them. Uh, simply, I mean, just from a just from a, a number standpoint, you should have you should have been more competitive if that was the case. Um, now, of course, you had the whole Costello situation last year, and we won't touch on that. But the biggest thing I want, I kind of want to jump forward to is um, you're coming in playing La Tech, of course. This is a team that last year was 117th in total offense. That is 316 yards per game. They managed 316 yards a game, but only 117 in total offense. Still somehow managed upwards of 20 points a game. Haven't quite figured that one out yet. Uh, just one of those stat odd stats. They're, they're returning four starters up front on the offensive line, but the problem is that offensive line was abysmal last year. So unless these this group has improved tenfold, uh, you're still going to see some inconsistency up front. Uh, now, I'm not saying they haven't improved tenfold, but the chances of them jumping from uh, bottom of the barrel to um, a, a top-caliber team that's going to be able to handle this Mississippi State defense, uh, quite low, I think. The big question mark for me, though, the big X factor, is that La Tech is returning 10 starters on defense. Yeah. Now, that that worries me, but it doesn't. Because this is also a defense that allowed 427 yards per game last year and gave up 35 points per game. All right, so one of my favorite words that I like to use, of course, that, that is what I like to call suboptimal. <laughs> um, they... Um, Again, returning a lot of guys, but the caliber and the talent of those guys, you could possibly call it into question. Um, starting quarterback coming in for La Tech, West Virginia transfer Austin Kendall. Uh, this is a guy, this is his third major school, I believe. Hasn't had much success at the, uh, at the others, but he does come in boasting a 61.5% uh, completion percentage for his career. Don't expect La Tech to be throwing the ball around much. That's just not their game. Um, I figure you'll see him try to run the ball a lot more, and that's what got him in trouble a lot last year is that that offensive line just could not block for the run. And if they can do that this year, they're going to be a very dangerous team, especially when they get into conference play. Uh, so, again, you've got them you've got them returning a lot from a weak defense, and now uh, we'll go ahead and jump into their schedule from last year if you want to lead off with that. Um, you've got – From last year, uh, they're so – they didn't have the greatest record last year. We also didn't have the greatest record last year. You got to look who they're playing, though. They did. So they went um, five and five last year. One of those being the first of those being a one point win against Southern Miss um, in their first game of last season. A one point win against Southern Miss. Yeah, that's going to go in the win column, but that's not filling me with a whole lot of conf- uh, confidence coming into this game. If I'm La Tech now, of course, that was a little over a year ago now. Then you've got them throttling some some school. Uh, poor guys, 66-38. to 38. That had to be a high point for that team. Then they go on. They go to BYU, and they, in turn, do get throttled, 45-14. to 14. Um, So you've got that coming in. To me, when I look at this list, that and TCU later in the season are their only two, sure enough, talent that they compete against. That in two of these losses were, I mean, very close. Yeah. So the the BYU loss, they had a ridiculous quarterback in Zach Wilson. 
Yeah, I mean, so, everybody knew coming into that game that that wasn't going to go well yeah, for La Tech. That's a game that you're not winning. But there is some light at the end of the tunnel for some of these games. They beat UAB. UAB was the number one team in Conference USA last year. Somehow so, managed to beat them by a field goal. I think it was a last-second field goal. Double overtime. In double overtime. Um, so that was a knockdown, drag-out type game. The thing that I highlight about this that really kind of took the air out of that ship You've got a 35-17 loss to Marshall on there. That's a rough one. That's a rough one. Uh, you beat North Texas, so North Texas, no slouch by any means. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. Um, that's a very solid program they've built out there uh, at, over at the mean green. Um, then you end the season with a um, a pretty rough 38-3 to loss against Georgia Southern. So... I imagine that's on a lot of those guys' minds coming into this week. There are Mississippi State also, like we said, didn't have the greatest record. And, you know, I don't think many people thought we were – I will say this. When we did beat LSU in the first game of the season, I think a lot of us were like, whoa, we might actually be really good this year. That ended up being a fluke. But – there's one rule when it comes to Mississippi State sports coding. You want to know what it is? I think we all know what it is. It's whether we can admit it to ourselves. If you never get excited, you can never be disappointed. And <laughs> and last year, I myself even caught myself getting excited. And I was greatly, and I mean greatly, disappointed. All right, well... Real quick, as we jump back into this, we'll go over our schedule and who we played last year as well to give a little bit of a comparison. It's kind of hard to give a comparison with these two conferences, but obviously we won the first game of the year against LSU. We lost our next game against Arkansas, but it was a close loss. It was a very close, g- close that game, loss. That game could have gone either way. It could. Felipe Franks played a very good game that game. Um, I I really was – that's the game where I became somewhat of a Felipe Franks fan um, just because of the fact that the dude did give that university all he could in his time there. Their next game was in Lexington against Kentucky. They lost that game 2-24. to 24. Yeah, rough one. <laughs> rough one. And then they looked – they looked pretty good against Texas A&M at home. They lost by 14 points, but – there was a point in that game late in the second half where you were saying to yourself, holy crap, there's a chance. And I, I will say this, and I've said this for years now, there's just some natural phenomena in sports that always seem to ring true. One of those being that Mississippi State and Texas A&M is never really just a blowout game. I mean, you look at the last couple of years, it's been a weird thing. It's just um, no matter who's the coach, whether it's Jimbo or someone, it's been a close game between two universities that really shouldn't be playing close games if you're looking at talent. But for some reason, the, uh, these Bulldogs just just get fired up to go to College Station or have them guy, have those guys come here. We won't even talk about Alabama because everybody knows the result of that. Yeah. Uh, Vanderbilt was a little too close for my liking, but at the end we did win that game. Goes in the W column. Another game that we should have won, and I think – Every single person in Starkville that night ripped their hair out of their head was the Georgia game. Oh. That game was way too close. I, so there's another one. Another one that I'm sure we were all ripping our hair out over was the Ole Miss game. We lost to Auburn, which 
at a point in that game, too, you were kind of like, maybe, but we don't really know. Yeah. Then we defeated Missouri. Then we defeated Tulsa. So close games in the SEC that we really did have a chance at, and we'll I'll elaborate that on that in a second. You lose to seven against Ole Miss, so that's another one. If we can, or we'll call it a close game. I won't call it a win, but a possible win. Yeah. Then Georgia, which was also a seven-point loss. Again, shouldn't have been close, but somehow, some way, they they, they almost figured it out. We'll call Texas A&M like Havsey, just because it was close for a minute. Yeah. For a, for a brief moment. And in then time. we'll call it Arkansas as well. With another seven-point loss. That's three seven-point losses to three SEC teams. All right, say you win two of those. Well, just for the sake of the argument, let's say we win all three yeah, of them. say you win three of so them. So that puts us at seven and four? Yeah, you're, you're coming in at seven and four. I, I mean, in an, with in that an schedule? All SEC, in a pretty much all-SEC schedule. So, listen, there were there were some rough times with the football team last year. But there's a lot of maturity and development that they have gained together, I think, through training camp this year that just gives them more time to understand. And I'm Will Rogers definitely made some dumb passes last year. He was a freshman. He's a freshman. He made freshman Exactly. Passes. So now he's got a year under his belt. I mean, I think we should expect some pretty decent things from him. That's the thing. I'm at, like I said, I am I am at a seven and five right now. And if we are if we end this season seven and five with a win to Ole Miss, Mike Leach keeps his job and might just be the most celebrated coach in Mississippi State history, aside from Dan Mullen. You know, teasing us all with a number one overall. And it should be. And I hate I love Mike Leach, but the most celebrated coach in Mississippi State history should be Chris Lamonis after what he just did for the oh, yeah. school. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He if should be. I, I'm talking purely football. Oh, no, pure, Chris okay. Lamonis. Okay. Chris okay. Lamonis. Build the Lamona statue now, yeah. honestly. I'd, I'd pay for it. Uh, other football things relevant. Your, who is your offensive X factor for this in particular game? My offensive X factor uh, for this game and probably will end up being my X factor for a lot of games this year is going to be Jaquavius Marks, the running back. All right? So... That's just how this is going to go because I, I I completely understand we should throttle, and I mean throttle, Louisiana Tech. But if they go into that drop eight and we can't get Marks the ball or Marks can't get the ball and get going, it's going to be a whole lot of bad memories brought up from last year, and that is the last thing we want. So I really do think if, you're, if Marks is getting 80, 80-ish yards on the ground somewhere in that ballpark, you're really going to be able to open this offense up, go over the top, make some plays, um, and really just be able to kind of go out there and have fun with it. How many times a game do you think the ball is going to be run? Uh, see, that's the thing. It's not running the ball. I don't think it's going to be so running you, the ball. You just think getting the ball in his hands, whether it's from a pass or if it's on the ground, is yeah. going to be key for this team. So if you go back and watch film from last year, we did throw to the flat a crap ton. But when you threw to that flat, it was your third or fourth option. What we've been seeing in fall camp this year is that Jaquavius Marks is becoming that second to third option instead of making Rodgers go through five different reads uh, to get to the flat. Because for a split second, the flat's going to be wide open. He's going to have all the space to go, all the space he wants to go and claw and get a first down, eight yards, nine yards, whatever. 
Uh, so really, your your yards per catch is what you're going to want to be watching with Jaquavius in this game. Um, now, will we run the ball a lot? I, I don't think we're going to run it a lot, but I think 50, 60 yards is very is completely understandable and should be expected. I mean, you look at the Missouri and Tulsa games last year and those rushing totals. So, I mean, and we won those. That was the recipe for success last year, as a lot of people were saying, all the way through the season. But, again, Jaquavius Marks, to me, is going to be the X factor in this one just because if you can get the ball in his hands early in the play with space, I think you're going to be able to bring some of those eight back down to the line of scrimmage and be able to bust the top off of that Louisiana Tech offense or defense. Uh, we all saw last year that Jaquavius Marks had remarkable potential. Obviously, he's at a school where their offensive scheme is the air raid, so you're not going to see him a whole lot on the ground. At least uh, that's what you get from the vibe with Mike Leach and everything. But we did see him more and more on the ground last year. And it, I mean, when you throw the ball 40-something-odd times a game – if I'm the defensive coordinator for the other team, I'm, I'm, I'm telling eight guys to drop yes, back. I'm, too. I'm dropping eight every single play. You can have a five yard rush every here and there. I don't care because I know nine times out of 10, you're throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. So, and we saw it a little more last year where we were handing the ball off a little more. I still think it was an air raid. Oh, it was, a, it was still an air raid scheme. It was just with a little bit of an SEC twist is what I like to call it. And I think that's the big key to this team this year. Whether it's Quavius Marks or someone else, that little twist of the run game, is I think that will help the state's team an incredible amount. Whether it's scoring a touchdown or picking up a big third down, whatever it is. I think that is – I mean – that's typical SEC football, ground and pound. Well, That's when, what it used to be. When the leech hire was made, you knew some changes were going to have to be made on both sides of, of that ordeal. You knew State was going to have to change from this three yards and a pile of dust thing that we've been doing for the last 20-some-odd years all the way back to the Croom era. All right. Um, but you also knew that Leach was, this was Leach's first real SEC coaching gig in a long time. I mean, was I believe he was at Kentucky for a brief stint. Um, but this was his first, sure enough, modern, uh, I say modern era, but this was the first SEC gig in a long time. You can go up to Washington State, and you can throw the ball 60, 70 times a game. But you're not, but when you do that, the guys that are staring your quarterback in the face with their hand in the dirt on the other side aren't athletic freaks of nature. Don't get me wrong, they're, very, they're solid players, but they're not SEC defensive linemen. And, and listen, there is an SEC team that can do that. It's called Nick Saban's team. Exactly. He can throw the ball 60 times a game if he wants to, and they're still going to win every game. I don't care if you have six picks. Yeah, because I mean, you're gonna, the other team may, is going to score four and a half points and then probably get the rest of the, uh, half of the starters injured. So I, I will say the scheme here is a difficult scheme to run in the conference you're in. But nonetheless, I, we have a coach that is – Tried and true, and it's pro- he's proven it can yes, work. Yes, I mean – he he didn't invent it, but like he invented it, if you know what I'm Pretty saying. Pretty much. So we're we're gonna see how that offense pans out. To start off the season this Saturday. I think we'll have some fun watching them, and I think in the end we're gonna get that dub. But on the other side of the ball, your defensive X factor. Who I, I think I I think I know who you're gonna say because I think we're all thinking that. But expand on who it is and what's what's his 
What does he have to do to help this defense out this weekend? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to go a different way than you, than you think I'm going to go. I'm going to say my defensive X factor, and this, is, again, is going to be for the whole season, really, is going to be a guy named Jalen Green. All right? Transfer coming in from Texas. Anchoring down the safety spot. All right, you look at this defense, and you know you've got the corners locked down. You know that Emerson and Forbes are going to be there all game, every play. They're going to make plays on the ball in the air. Uh, you know you're going to get a good pass rush. You've got Tyra Sweet. You've got Aaron Boulé. You've got Nathan Pickering up front. You've got the front seven. I'm not worried about the front seven. I'm not worried about the corners. The only question mark coming into this year for that defense was going to be who's going to lock down that safety spot. So I really think that Jalen Green – if he can show up and he can play to the level of his counterparts there in that defensive backfield, it's going to be very impressive. It's going to add an, add an effect to this defense that we haven't seen since Jonathan Abram. A hard-hitting safety that can absolutely take somebody's head off. An intimidator over the middle is what that defense this would just be the cherry on top of that Arnett defense. Uh, and I really am looking forward to what uh, Jalen Green gets to do on the field this weekend. And historically, Mississippi State has always had a rather good defense. So, and it's not like our defense was bad last year because it really wasn't. No, defense was the best part of this team last yeah, year. Yeah. So, and I mean, I know we lost a couple star players last year and Earl Thompson, but we did get a lot of players back and we gained a couple players. So, I think once again, it's one of those years where defense doesn't worry you. It's the mm, offense. It's that's the big question mark coming in. Because uh, listen, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be one game that this team is going to allow 45 points no matter what. That's all. That's a given. It's Mississippi State, and it'll most likely be to Bama. And, uh, it will be Bama, or it will be some team you've never heard of. Tennessee State may put up 60 on us, and we may put up 61 the week before we go play Ole Miss or before Ole Miss comes here. That is a real possibility that we have to face here in Starkville every year um, because no matter what, I mean, you look, you saw it with Dan Mullen. You know, I, rem- I'm, I remember a year when we lost to Bowling Green and South Alabama in the same year under Dan Mullen, okay? And then that's the same coach that took us to a number one overall. Um, and then with Moorhead, Moorhead was what Moorhead was. Uh, you were going to lose some, but – Again, Leach is the same way. Historically, Leach will always lose one game he's not supposed to, but it'll also get you that one win you're not supposed to get. It'll be uh, it's going to be a fun year. I think we're all very, very excited with what this team will bring us. There's going to be a lot of ups. There's going to be a lot of downs. But all in all, I think we're shoot. Even if we don't win a game this year, I think we're just happy to have football back. My body is ready for the emotional roller coaster that is Mississippi State football. I am prepared. The fridge is stocked. Um, <laughs> uh, with the way that Mississippi State football always goes, uh, some package stores better watch out. All, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I got to catch my breath for a second. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, I think the city of Starkville is ready to get this weekend underway. Um <laughs> We're obviously very excited, and that's all we have for you today. We will be back again Tuesday to review the game, hopefully review the win that we got. We'll bring you the stats. We'll bring you what we think worked for us, what didn't work for us. 
who ended up being the X factor of those games. How are I mean, we'll bring you as much as we can and hopefully a little more. But anyway, we will talk to you again this upcoming Tuesday. And we hope to see you then. Alongside is my partner, Tanner Marlar. I'm Cody Blazak. We wish you a good night. The proceeding was a WMSV production.